0: Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our loving God, we give you thanks and praise for all your love, for all your blessings The graces that you just pour on us every day. We thank you, Lord, that you reveal to us the mystery of the cross. This wonderful mystery, the cross which is so central to our faith. But Lord, we all struggle to understand this mystery. And so you call us and you lead us deeper into this mystery. Through our own struggles, through the examples of the saints, we learn how to cope, how to explore and discover that mystery. And especially through the witness of our Blessed Mother, we come to see the richness of the cross. And so, dear Lord, as we look at this topic today, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to understand that we might enter more deeply into this wonderful mystery of the cross. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place all our trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The more I travel on this Christian journey, the more I find myself being continually surprised and challenged at the depth of the mystery of the cross. Truly, to find our happiness, we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. But of course, it's not an attractive proposition. Take up your cross and follow me. But we have to keep reminding ourselves there's no such thing as crossless Christianity as perhaps some new denominations sometimes proclaim. You know, if we were marketing Christianity, it's probably not the way we would sell it. But of course, God's ways are far above our ways. There are some churches that proclaim what has become known as the health and wealth gospel. God will make you healthy and God will make you wealthy. It's no wonder their churches are full. But of course the question is, is it the truth? Is it the truth that will set us free and give us a genuine experience of freedom and love? One of the great discoveries for me personally in journeying through crosses and trying to understand them was the realisation that the wisdom that Christianity is often found in the paradox. For instance, if I want to be rich, I have to give it all away. If I want to be free, I have to serve. If I want to live a full life, I have to die to myself. And of course, you know, Christianity is full of these paradoxes. We die to be born to eternal life. We talk about three persons in one God. We talk about the God-man, the Virgin Mother. When we talk of these paradoxes, you know, in ways the intellect kind of rebels against it. But there's nothing like the wisdom of lived experience that reveals the truth. A wisdom that confounds the learned. Think of that beautiful line that Jesus says, Happy are the poor in spirit, The kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so all graces come from the cross. And there can be no resurrection without the cross. And when we talk about resurrection, we don't just mean in the next life, but also in this life as well. One of the things about life that is so predictable as you get older is that you realise sooner or later, life will throw something at you that you just can't handle. It might be, for example, a broken relationship Loss of employment, sickness, the death of a loved one. These experiences can sometimes leave us very wounded and can even bring us to the point of questioning our faith in God. But of course, the good news is that in proper Christian life formation, we can have all the practical tools not only to survive these life crises but be richer for the experience, coming out of them full of joy, hope, and a real zest for life. So in this talk, I want to share with you some principles that are at work behind a life crisis. First of all, perhaps we should say, what is a life crisis? Well, a life crisis is more than just having a bad day. It's something that really is a major crisis in our life. And no one gets through life without a life crisis. But as Christians... We want them to be positive experiences. They may not be pleasant while we're going through it, but in hindsight, hopefully we can look back and say, I'm a better person this side of the experience than I was the other. So our Catholic tradition gives us what I like to call a lot of very practical spiritual tools that we can use to survive a life crisis. So that we can truly experience that joy of resurrection here in this life as well as the next. Now all this is built on what we call Christian life formation. And we don't have a lot of time to go into it deeply because it's a big topic on itself. But very quickly, the Christian life experience says that in our formation journey, we pass through different stages. And as we go through these different stages we experience a major shift in our reality. And generally, these transition stages, as we call them, are usually accompanied by a sudden upheaval of our once very predictable lifestyle. So suddenly, everything is changing. What used to work for us, no longer works anymore. And this experience of a sudden change in our life can result in the experience of a very serious life crisis. So our routine, our habit, our predictability is suddenly turned upside down. Everything in our life starts to be affected. It's generally typified by major changes in our relationships, workplaces, careers, state of health, things like that. So transition stages in the life formation process, however, can be turning points in our lives and wonderful opportunities for great personal growth. But they can also be turning points when we can experience the rejection of growth, embitterment, we can foster anger, and a constant desire to want to cling to the past. So the choice is ours then, between growth and happiness, or denial and unwillingness to cooperate with the life's mystery. Mystery with a capital M. In other words, Somehow God is working through our lives in these crisis points, and we can really come out of them better. But if we don't want to cooperate, if we want to hang on to the past, then that's when we get ourselves into trouble. And so we look to Mary again, and we see how much she suffered, and how much she must have had to depend upon her faith to get through the very difficult challenges that were in her life. For a start, Mary must have had an extraordinary faith, just to trust and believe what God was telling her. For instance, when the angel Gabriel came to her and asked her to be the mother of God, then she was asked to believe in the Trinity. Remember, up until that point, the Trinity hadn't been revealed. There's a whole new understanding of who God is. The angel said to Mary that the power of the Most High will overshadow her, and the Holy Spirit will come upon her. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. So imagine being open to believe that and accept that. You have to do that with great faith, great discernment. And then Mary was asked to believe in the incarnation, that God would in fact become man. Something unthinkable up until that point. And then Mary was asked to believe that she would be both a mother and a virgin the angel told Mary that her son would reign forever and his kingdom will have no end. Yet it was only a short time later that Mary, Joseph and the baby Jesus would become refugees and have to flee to another country to escape being murdered by Herod's soldiers. So imagine if you and I were in that position. Would we not say, well, hang on, where's this kingdom that's going to reign forever? And then when Jesus was 12 years old, He went missing for three days. Imagine how Mary and Joseph must have felt during that time, trying to make sense of it all. It was very difficult to make sense of. And of course, Mary had to endure the passion and death of her son. And if you saw the movie The Passion of Christ, you get a real sense of how much Mary suffered. At the foot of the cross, Mary watched her son being nailed to the cross, hanging there for three hours and then been pierced with a sword, fulfilling that prediction of Simeon all those years earlier. So although Mary went through all this, she never lost her faith for one moment. She may not have understood, Scripture says, that she pondered these things in her heart. So when things like that happen in our lives, we're called to imitate Mary. But of course we know, come Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection... And while the scriptures do not actually mention it, Pope John Paul II stated that you can be sure that Mary was the first to see and celebrate the resurrected Jesus. Great faith by Mary. And we are called to do the same when we go into crisis. And suffering is the most difficult thing to explain in life. We as Catholics have more answers than any of the other Christians because in our tradition we've entered deeply into the mystery of the cross. So let's talk about then what happens in a life crisis as we go through these transition stages. And I bet many of you can relate to experiencing this in your own lives. I know I certainly can. And when I was first shown this, it was a great relief. It was a great insight to know that in all this chaos and confusion, there actually was a kind of a pattern and we're not saying everything's predictable, but in somehow in my confusion, to know that there was a pattern within the confusion gave me some, something to hang on to, I suppose. It called me deeper into the mystery. That's the way to put it. It called me deeper into the mystery to trust a little bit more and to enter in. And as I went further and further and had it unfold, wonderful insights came. So what happens? We're in our normal, familiar world. We have a sense of control. We have a sense of purpose. Things are more or less hanging in there pretty good. No serious questions. Life is generally more or less routine and predictable. And then all of a sudden, there is a sudden cross-experience. Might be a death. Might be a separation. Might be poor health. Breaking our relationship. Any number of things can suddenly create this Sudden shift in our reality. And all of a sudden, the life structure that was previously effective is no longer working for us. We're full of grief, sadness, anger, frustration, confusion and helplessness. So this then is a critical time. In the midst of all this pain, we're called to change. We're called to let go and venture into the unknown. And if we fail to do this, if we want to long for the past, if we want to hang on to the past and refuse to go forward, then we go further and further into crisis. In some ways, eventually life almost forces us to change. But we can still refuse with disastrous consequences. So during this difficult time of cross, there's not much we can do except wait Wait for new life, wait for new events in our life, wait for insight. Now waiting is very difficult, but in Christian life formation they use the term actively waiting upon as against passively waiting for. In other words, we're not just waiting doing nothing, we're waiting with a certain expectancy. I like to say the antennas are up searching, looking, waiting for that change that will come, that insight that will come. But we don't pressure. We have to wait and we have to be patient. There's no real resolution. There's no real purpose at the moment. It's a bit ambivalent and incomplete. But this is part of learning to surrender to the mystery. And as this kind of call it purgation, or even kind of like a death experience continues, we actually cooperate with it. We allow ourselves to feel these things, all the time trying to move forward. The expression is, we wait with creative anticipation as against rigid expectation. So we're very easy and relaxed about how and when it's going to occur. We say yes to God. We say yes to life. And so the only way to survive this is through prayer. Lots of prayer. Deep prayer. Otherwise we can't open ourselves to the mystery with a capital M. We can't open ourselves to the healing power of the Spirit. We can't open ourselves to feel the Spirit take us in new directions New experiences. We can't have an openness to life if we don't pray. We must pray during these times. During these times, we often perhaps spend time alone reflecting, praying. We Sometimes we read. We read new insights, new wisdom that encourages us on the journey. We may find a good counsellor or a good spiritual director who helps us to be faithful to this path as we journey through it. And it is tough. It is really tough. There's no way of trying to water it down. It is very painful. But we are people of hope, we hang in there. We don't have all the answers yet. But we know resurrection will eventually come if we're faithful to God, if we pray, if, like Mary, we don't know We ponder in our heart. We have an openness to the resurrection and we wait on God's time for him to come and gradually renew us. And if you've been through one of these life processes, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Hopefully you're sitting there nodding your head to your own journey. Part of this process of waiting and being open is also dealing with Forgiveness, we talked about this previously, the importance to forgive. We have an expectant hope. And as we pray and spend time with the Lord, we are cooperating with the mystery. We're accepting the death of the past, and we decide for change, even though it's unknown what that change is. Now, if we don't do this, if we long for the past, And if we refuse to die to the past and we are unwilling to cooperate with the mystery, we start to feel more isolation. We feel locked into ourselves. We become unable to relate to others. We build up anger and resentment. We get into self-destructive modes. We may even get to some kind of drug or alcohol abuse. We get filled with fear and depression. We lose hope. And we can even despair and suicide. So we want to be open to the spirit. Because in being open and in saying yes and in praying and bringing our pain to the cross, we face the fear of unknown. We actively wait upon God. Our antenna is up. We're surrendering ourselves. We're depending upon God completely like never before. We maintain hope and we get in touch with our own brokenness. We start to seal our own brokenness and we can bring that for healing. And gradually we find we're able to dialogue, we're able to speak with people who have been down similar journeys and all of a sudden those conversations become really rich and worthwhile. And so then a new phase starts to come in, the resurrection phase. And we experience a kind of rebirth. We get a wisdom. We experience gratitude for what we have been through. We become more sensitive. We find ourselves being happy. We have compassion on those who are going through difficult times. We find a new energy. We see that there's new opportunities that I have been transformed, that I now carry a deeper serenity. I find myself affirming to myself and to others, and I'm now able to integrate my past experience in a better way. I become a good communicator, and I become in awe of the mystery, in awe of God and the way he works. So what we want to do is just cover some very practical things that we can do if you find yourself in a life crisis and as we said sooner or later we all go through these. The first thing I think we have to say is that when you're in a life crisis it's not about finding a precise solution to your problem. It's not about that. It may seem to be but in fact something bigger is happening. It's about understanding my call to grow as God wants me to grow. Now this at first may sound disappointing, but in fact, discovering growth is a wonderful joy and a great reward. So it may happen that in some cases we never find the solution to our problem that we experienced, but we grow and mature so much that we learn to accept and to love the growth and the other positive aspects that have resulted by our cooperating with the Spirit. So one of the fundamental principles that lifts the pain in our life crisis journey is directly related to how well we shift our attitude. Now we may not be able to change the situation as we've said, but we can certainly change our attitude. And this is the very key to survival in these difficult times. Why is it important? Because when we change our attitude, we declare that we trust in God's ways, that God is indeed my loving Father, who may be currently pruning me and calling me to growth so that I can mature and be healed, so that I can become more like Him. With trust comes hope, and with hope comes enthusiasm for growth and renewal. And we start looking for new opportunities to cooperate with what the Spirit is doing in our lives. So without a change of attitude, we become embittered and resentful and we keep longing to live in the past, in the good old days. And by doing that, we're simply declaring our mistrust in God. And ultimately, it can lead to despair. This is not the life for a Christian. Jesus is indeed our Saviour and our truly loving God. The other thing to realise is that life is full of crosses. And as I heard it said once, there are two types of crosses. There's the cross of Satan or the cross of Jesus. There's no escaping crosses. The cross of Satan has no resurrection. Only self-deformation and ultimately despair. But the cross of Jesus always brings resurrection, even in this life. In a previous talk, we talked about the importance of trusting the will of God. And we said then that God's will is the best thing that can happen to us. God's perfect will of love for me, personal. And so we hang on to that. And we have that wonderful signature on the image that Jesus gave St. Faustina Jesus, I trust in you. But the only way we can really trust Jesus at the level of the heart is from our lived experience. And that's why God allows us to have crosses so that we can truly discover this reality and it becomes a part of us. It's a lived inner conviction that's been tried and tested and proven through our life experience. The main purpose of our lives is to live in relationship with God. Our whole lives then are repeated lessons in trust because only through trust experiences can we create a meaningful and deep relationship with God. We have to prove to ourselves that God can be trusted even in the midst of a life crisis when we can't understand and everything seems to be going wrong. In a sense, our trust has to be so strong that it defies the logic of the world. As we only build relationship through repeated lessons in trust, then our relationship with God deepens in proportion to the depth of our trust that we have personally experienced. And of course at the hour of our death, that becomes really important, in fact most important of all. Because when we can see the result of our sin and our brokenness throughout our lives, having trust in the mercy of God can make all the difference between whether or not we have eternal life or whether we don't through despair. Trust is so important. The other virtue that's important is hope. Hope is the magnet that draws us through the crosses in the firm belief that something great awaits us. In other words, some kind of resurrection experience, some light in the tunnel is waiting for me. Having hope in the resurrection experience is crucial to help us in our difficult times. If we give up hope, we give up trust, we end in despair. Now one of the powerful ways to lift the heaviness of the sadness and the pain that we are experiencing is to praise God. Now praise has enormous power to lift our spirits because it expresses an ultimate truth. What is that truth? God is the creator, God is good, God is holy. And we, his creation, owe him constant thanks. In praise we simply acknowledge this truth. So spending time in prayer each day praising God is really beneficial. In times of crisis, I can remember having the weight of things on my shoulders and just forcing myself to praise. My intellect was kind of rebelling. My feelings were certainly rebelling. But I just pushed through. And after about 10, 15 minutes of praise, all of a sudden, something changes. Something lifts off my shoulders. A joy comes, an inner peace Situation hasn't changed. All the conditions that were there 15 minutes ago are still here. But something happens. It's called grace. It's called God reaching out to us. But we have to have an open heart. Recently we talked about St. Padre Pio and one of his famous quotes is pray, hope and don't worry. And there's so much truth in this. When you think this was a man who saw angels and demons and could bilocate and do all these incredible, miraculous things, yet his motto was so profound. And they're not just sentimental words. This was the motto of a man who lived a life full of profound mystical experiences and heavy crosses. Pray, hope, and don't worry. St Francis de Sales once said, that next to sin, anxiety is the worst thing for the soul. Next to sin, anxiety is the worst thing for the soul. My goodness, doesn't that challenge us? Doesn't that really challenge us to not worry? Pray, hope, and don't worry. Jesus, I trust in you. And of course, the whole purpose of this life crisis that we're experiencing is is to allow us to die to ourselves, die to our old ways, and open ourselves up to new ways that previously we didn't even know even existed. So to cooperate with this process makes for a much smoother transition. A deep sense of helplessness is crucial for abandonment. It makes us totally dependent upon God. And so watch if God brings this about. Rejoice in it. How do we love? Like a child. How do children love? With complete dependency upon their parents. So we are called to love God with complete dependency. And there's nothing like having everything else stripped away from you and all you've got to hang on to is your faith and your trust in God. It does wonders your spiritual growth will soar, providing you cooperate with what the Spirit is asking you to do, that is, to die to self. We mentioned in a previous talk about how the battlegrounds are often our feelings, so that when you're going through a really tough time, possibly the last thing you feel like doing is praising God. But this is the challenge, this is the point, that we push through And we let the intellect rule over the feelings. And your prayer might be something like this. Lord, I thank and praise you for this cross. I don't understand this cross, but I know somehow in all of this, you're calling me to growth. So I thank you for that. And I thank you that your love will carry me through. And I trust in your love. And you just keep going with this kind of praise, thanking the Lord you'll find a deep sense of peace will descend upon you. And one of the things we can say to build hope is a prayer like this, Lord, I praise and thank you that your love will triumph in this situation in spite of what is happening to me right now. Right now, everything says it's disaster. But Lord, I praise and thank you that your love will triumph in this situation. I don't know how it will triumph, but it will triumph. And so for that, I praise and I thank you. And I surrender myself to you, Lord. I trust in you. And so we have to let go of all those things that we held on to, perhaps a relationship, perhaps many different things. But we try to let go and ultimately Only God can fill the emptiness within us. If we fill our emptiness with other things, it's only a temporary stopgap. It never really satisfies. Only God can fill the emptiness and satisfy us. So we just want to stress again, the three rules for surviving a life crisis are, the first one is to pray, the second one is to pray, and the last rule is to pray. There is no other way. We must pray. There are many embittered people in the world today because surrender and prayer was not part of their life crisis experience. So if you want to come out the other end better than what you went in, you must do it with prayer and lots of prayer. And of course next to Holy Mass one of the great things we can do is to spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament And the very presence of God soothes our souls and helps heal the wounds within. And if you're feeling really bad, just go in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pour out your heart to Jesus. And Jesus says to St. Faustina, you're holding back, you're not giving me all of yourself. And she says, no Jesus, I'm giving everything, what am I holding back? And he said to her, you're holding back your misery So we've got to give everything to Jesus. And as she said to him once, but Jesus, you know what I'm going to say. And he says, yes, I do, but I like to hear you say it. You know, it builds relationship when you share. And Jesus likes us to share. So when we're feeling down and confused, come and tell him, pour your heart out. There's a saying that I like. It says, spending time in the presence of the Son, as in Jesus, God the Son, is like spending time in the presence of the sun, S-U-N. The rays of light are going to affect you even if you do nothing. So if you sit in the sun, you do nothing, you're still going to get a suntan. And the same with Jesus. If you spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and you might say, well, I didn't really do anything. I haven't really said any deep, meaningful prayers. I'm just sitting there. Well, just sitting there in front of Jesus, the Son of God. His rays will touch you and it will affect you. Another way we can maximize our suffering experience is to visualize pressing our wounds into the open wounds of Jesus. Once during a really difficult time, I had a friend say to me, offer up your sufferings, don't waste it. And I thought, are you crazy? Don't waste it. This thing is driving me crazy and you're talking about it like as though it's the crown jewels. But it made me think. And so offering it up to Jesus and you can press your pain into the open wounds of Jesus because he suffered on the cross for our healing. And when we join our sufferings with his wonderful grace can be poured upon ourselves and others. The other week we talked about the angels, the role of the angels, and we talked about St. Michael and the power of the St. Michael prayer and the St. Michael chaplet to protect us. And so in times of life crisis, we do need spiritual protection because we're very vulnerable and open to attack. We can ask the Father to cover us with the precious blood of Jesus which is wonderful protection and really essential for anyone going through a serious life crisis. We can also pray and fast. Fasting is the prayer of the body. So all these things can help us. And in all of this we want to unite with Mary at the foot of the cross and we ask for her prayers. And that wonderful prayer of the rosary can be so wonderful in times of difficulties. We just need the self-discipline to sit down and begin. Mary is the special co-worker of God to help bring about our salvation. Pray to Mary, but in fact, don't just pray to her, fall in love with her. She exists to bring her unique grace to us. Don't take the long, hard road on your own. Go via the road of Mary. Jesus came to us through Mary, and we returned the same way. And so I'd just like to end with a wonderful quote from one of my favourite saints, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. And he wrote this in 1925. And he'd just been through a broken relationship. So He's writing to his sister, and his sister must have wrote a letter and said, How are you? And so this is what Pierre Giorgio writes. You ask me whether I am cheerful. How could I not be? So long as my trust in God gives me strength. We should always be cheerful. Sadness should be banished from all Christian souls. For suffering is a far different thing from sadness, which is the worst disease of all it is almost always caused by lack of faith. But the purpose for which we have been created shows us the path along which we should tread, perhaps strewn with many thorns, but not a sad path. Even in the midst of intense suffering, it is one of joy. So the great insight there, Pier Giorgio does, is he defines the difference between Sadness and suffering. Now, we all suffer. But what Pier Giorgio is saying is, we don't have to be sad at the same time. And he's saying that sadness is a far different thing from suffering. Sadness is the worst disease, and it's caused through lack of faith. Now, this was a saint known for his great sense of humor and practical jokes, and his great joy and outgoing personality. So... Something to reflect on from Pier Giorgio in his incredibly wise words at such a young age. And so, Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you give us that we can use in our faith, in our Catholic tradition, to enable us to get through the tough times. We thank you for the witness of great saints like Blessed Pierre Giorgio and especially we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your mother. We praise you and we thank you. And we unite our voices with all the angels and saints as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Blessed Pier Giorgio, pray for us sacred heart of Jesus, we place all our trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Radio.org.au